0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 176 of The Yacking Show. We're getting close to that magical 200. It won't be long and we'll be there. And this is the show to awaken you to new perspectives. You know, We do that to help you survive in the changing world we find ourselves in. And we do it by bringing you interesting guests, and today's guest is certainly in that category of a very interesting person, but it's not my job to introduce guests. Kathleen does it so much better than I. So first, welcome co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo, Ontario. How are you today, Kathleen?
1: I'm doing great, Peter, and thank you so much for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments, so please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Wayne Mullins. Uh, welcome, Wayne. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great, Kathleen. Thank you so much. And thank you, Peter. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Now, Wayne, you are the founder and CEO of Ugly Mug Marketing. Love that name. <laughs> Can you please tell us about your background and how you came to start your own marketing company. And you have to tell us how you came up with the name Ugly Mug Marketing.
2: Absolutely, Kathleen. So um, my background actually started in business. It started with a gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. So some Mm. of you listeners, some of you familiar with Zig Ziglar. Um, My parents, for some reason, one year for Christmas gave me some CDs by this gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. Um, For those not familiar, Zig Ziglar at one point was probably the most well-known um, well known motivational speaker sales trainer in the world. And his CDs that they gave me were on-selling. And so as a result of listening to these CDs, I decided that I wanted to go into sales. That was what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so fast forward a few years after attempting this thing called sales and being terrible at it, I actually got good through <laughs> sheer perseverance and uh, you know, just trial and error, trying new things. I finally got good at it. And as a result of that, I had this dangerous question in my head, which was, what if I went and sold something for myself? Um, what if I ventured out, left the company that I was selling for and did something for myself? Um, and for me at that time, the only other skill I had, and again, I'm in Louisiana, was cutting grass. So down here, <laughs> grass grows <laughs> pretty much year round. And um, And so I left much to the dismay of my my family. I left a really great sales job, corporate sales job, and started a lawn and landscape company from scratch. Um, It was over the course of about a three-year period. I took that company from literally zero, and we were the one or two largest in our region. And so it was in the course of that growth that a lot of the actual clients of the lawn care company started coming to me and asking how are you growing? What are you doing to grow? And the answer was marketing. So out of those conversations, ugly mug marketing would eventually be born.
1: Okay, well, ugly mug?
2: Yep, so the name ugly mug marketing actually comes from, it stems from uh, this quote by this gentleman of the name David Ogilvy. So David Ogilvy is the founder of Ogilvy & Mather. Right. And uh, he had the saying that supposedly he would say in his offices, which was, I would rather you show me an ad that is ugly and effective over one that's beautiful, but isn't. Mm -hmm. And so the name ugly mug marketing is really just a stem or a play off of that phrase, um, which for us, you know, serves as our North star. It serves as the thing that keeps us centered on what matters most for our clients. And that isn't a beautiful. Beautiful ad that isn't a creative campaign. What it is is results that they're Mm -hmm. after.
0: Oh, excellent. I mean, David Ogilvie, if I remember correctly, was started the debate about an ad must sell It's not designed to win awards and look pretty, right? It's got to do the job, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, good, good. good. I I like the name, like Kathleen. I find it uh, it's memorable. No one's going to forget that name, are they?
2: Yeah, very.
0: So, when you know, on your website, you say, you say that um, content is the most important of the three Cs uh, <coughs> of design. And further to that, in I think it's in a bio I read about you. You said you raise a question or you make the statement, there's three reasons why your gorgeous campaign, well your gorgeous website might be doing very very much, not, not, oh, I'm getting tongue-tied, might not be doing very much for your business. So, there's two questions rolled into one there. Can you expand on both of those for me?
2: Sure, absolutely, Peter. So the first one for those not familiar with design. So if if you or I were to go to design school and study graphic design or web design, um, they're going to teach us the three C's of design. And so the first C would be the composition. So mm-hmm. that is the makeup or the structure of the thing that we're designing. The next C would be the contrast. So that would be the colors, the the shades those things that kind of make up the contrasting elements of the, the piece. And then the final C of the three Cs would just be the content. And the content is the message that we are trying to communicate. And what happens in the world that we work in, that we live in, that the marketing agency world, is it's filled with a bunch of creatives. And there's nothing wrong with being creative. I'm, I'm a creative. But if we're not careful, the things that we love will take precedent over what's best for our clients Mm -hmm. and what's best for our clients is their core message. It is the content. It is the story that they are attempting to communicate with the world. And so we believe that the most important of the three C's is the content, that when you sit down to design your website or even to design a brochure, that you should start with the content. What is the story? What is the message that we are trying to portray? And then the other two C's, should support the content, not the other way around. And I've seen it way too many times uh, you know, to, to count, but what happens often is people go to a web designer or a graphic designer and they start with this really cool idea, right? So they, they start with the composition, they start with the contrast, they they use really cool colors or really cool all these elements and they forget the content and so by the time it comes time for the content they just try to squeeze it in or fit Mm -hmm. it in and so we just believe in flipping that around let's start with what matters most I guess as um you know begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey would
0: say that's right 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 and and I think you've effectively answered the second part of my question as well unless you want to add to that is why three reasons why the gorgeous website's not working for you or do you want to add a bit more on that
2: no I I mean I think that summarizes it Um, I would say for for those listening, just you have to get clear about what is the purpose of each page on your website. You know, oftentimes we think of our website as a thing, right? So it's the website, it's out there Mm -hmm. in the, the World Wide Web, but we have to get clear about what is the sole purpose of each page of our website. And we believe that the homepage of a website is like an airport terminal, and so that's the place where you go and there's there's all the people coming in. And the job of the terminal is to get people to the right flights, to get people right. to the right boarding stations where they're actually going to get on the planes, if you will. And so, again, just thinking through your website in terms of what does this particular page, what's the purpose of it? What do we want people to do after being on this page?
0: Mm, good. Right. Okay, and 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 you've reinforced there that the page needs to do something rather than just look pretty, right? Which goes back to, your, back to your content. Yeah, I, I'm going to throw a quick observation in. Uh, some years back, when I was fairly new to internet marketing, probably 12 years ago, um, I read a an article on on a fairly good marketer's website, and he said, reinforcing what you're saying about design. He says, look at this website; it breaks all the rules and it's pretty awful. And it's a cheap economy model, but it has more visitors than some of the most polished websites around. And it was a a woman who was Chinese living in London, England, who built this shoestring website to sell used cars. And she was selling more used cars than some of the biggest dealers with fancy websites where she just happened to show people what they wanted, which was to find cheap used cars. That lesson stuck in in my mind for many years. Sorry, Kathleen, I'm hogging uh, Wayne's attention. Over to you. (laughs) That's all right.
1: So, so Wayne, can you tell us um, what services that you provide? And you've probably answered this somewhat already, but how are you different from other marketing companies? And I have a second part to that is, if a business is, if their marketing just isn't working, according to you, there is a way for them to quickly and easily fix that. So maybe you can explain that to our listeners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so what's interesting, I'll start with the second question and go, go the other way. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what's broken with most people marketing, it's it's two things. Number one is that they're confusing strategy and tactic. Mm-hmm. They believe those are the same thing, right? They believe that doing all these things is doing marketing and they're being strategic. And in reality, that's not the case. You know, it would be like, Like if we were to sit down and the three of us were gonna say, okay, we're gonna design the world's greatest automobile. So that's our new mission. So we go out there and we look and we say, okay, Volvo has the best frame, right? It's strong, they always get five star crash ratings from the front, from the side, all these things. So we're gonna use the Volvo frame for the car. And then we're gonna say Rolls-Royce has the quietest cabin, right? So it's super quiet in the Rolls-Royce. So we're gonna put the Rolls-Royce cabin on the Volvo frame. And then we say, okay, now we need an engine. What engine do we use? And we're saying, okay, Let's use Lamborghini. You know, big, strong, powerful engine. We're going to throw the Lamborghini engine in there, and then transmission. You know, maybe we grab BMW or whatever, maybe. And so, what we've done is we've looked around and we've we've determined through research. We we were diligent. We we you know we weren't just haphazard in this. We picked the very best things and we put them all together to build this new car. And we don't actually end up with a car that works. We end up with this Frankenstein thing that doesn't work. And the reason is because the frame from the Volvo doesn't fit the cab from the Rolls-Royce properly. So they don't align properly. The engine from the Lamborghini is, typically goes in the back of the car, right? It's a rear engine. Right. Yeah. And we're trying to stick it in the front of this car. And then the transmission you know, from the BMW or whatever car we chose, it doesn't match up properly with the engine. And so yet yeah, we chose the best things. And yet when we put those things together, they don't work as we believe they would or should. And that is exactly what we do with our marketing. We look around at our competitors and we say, oh, they're, they're doing wonderful things on Instagram. We're gonna take what they're doing on Instagram. We're gonna add that into our marketing bag. And then we look over here and we say, oh, well, all the new competitors, they're doing TikTok. So we're gonna throw that in our marketing bag. And then we end up with this mess in our bag <laughs> that doesn't go well together, doesn't produce results. And the reason is we don't have a framework or a strategy in place that ensures that each of these pieces and components fit together properly or fit mm-hmm. together well.
0: Oh, that's a very good example. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Sure.
0: And uh, we, we, we need to get a bit more out of you on what you do, though, um, the services you provide. Yeah.
2: yeah so we, we work in kind of three core buckets. Um, bucket number one that we work in would be web design and development. Um, the next one would be social media. So that's you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And then the other is general marketing. So that would be everything from television, radio, print, billboards, and all of those things. Um, And what makes us different, I think, than than most agencies is that we don't force people into contracts. Mm. Um, I mean, we do have official paperwork that shows, you know, kind of what we're guaranteeing or what we're deliverables are going to be. But we don't force people into contracts. What we say is give us two months, if at the end of two months you don't feel we're getting results, we don't feel we're a good fit and we're going to be able to deliver on the results we believe we can. We don't want we don't want to keep working together. Um, so you know we we don't work with everyone who comes to us. We have to ensure that we can deliver on expectations, and mm-hmm. hopefully we can actually exceed those expectations.
1: So when okay. you work with people, I take it from all over the world.
2: We do. Yeah, we're currently working. Um, with clients just in the States at the moment, but from California to New York and scattered in between.
0: And I got to you, something else I picked up on your website. I think you've worked in, with clients in a hundred different industries. Is that right?
2: That is correct. Yeah. Wow. At any point in time, like right now, we have just over 80 clients that we're working with and they're scattered in dozens of industries right now.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Wow, Excellent. that uh, that must give you a really broad background on what works in different industries mm-hmm. and uh, with different companies. So, here's one for you: What do you think if you look at your clients and their success stories, and some that are not successful, and in the general business world, what's been the biggest challenge to marketers during this whole restriction because of the virus over the couple of years, the last couple of years?
2: Yeah, I would I would believe that um, one of the biggest challenges is that. When there's uncertainty in the marketplace, so when people are unclear about what's taking place, what happens is that shakes their confidence. Mm -hmm. So as marketers, we retract, we pull back. We don't keep pushing forward. We don't keep promoting. And it's because we are uncertain, right? The world is uncertain, we're uncertain. So when we pull back, when we're unclear with our communication, when we're unclear with our messaging, um, that confuses, the marketplace. And Mm -hmm. when the marketplace and the audience we're speaking to is confused, then they don't understand what we're asking them to do. They don't understand the value that we can deliver to them. And so what I would say is that, you know, even in uncertain times, communicating with clarity and shifting and adjusting so that you are staying true to the core of what your product or service does is so vitally important during uncertain times.
0: Yeah, and, and if I remember back to my time in the corporate world, which was a long time ago, during periods of uncertainty, the first budget to be cut was the marketing budget from top down, right? And that just added to the problem because now you're not only not communicating properly, you're not communicating enough because your budget's been cut. <laughs> uh, your predictions of doom and gloom come, qu- come true even quicker than you were concerned about. Yeah, Kathleen, back to you.
1: So what is the process that you... Um- for working with new clients. So if I'm a new client, I call you up, and I say, I need, I need your help, Wayne. As a new client, what is, what can I expect from you going forward? And is there a specific type of client? I know that you work with several industries already, which is fantastic, but is there a specific type of client that is a good fit, would be a better fit for you?
2: Sure. Yeah. I think um, the fit wise, we say that we love to work with growth-minded entrepreneurs. So that could be for-profit, that could be not-for-profit. But what's interesting is that is a very specific type of entrepreneur. It's not the entrepreneur who believes and kind of set it and forget it, right? It's the entrepreneur who is eager. They're always looking to add new knowledge, they're looking to grow, not just their organization, but themselves as an entrepreneur. Um, Those are the ones that we're attracted to. Those are the ones that we have the best relationships with. In terms of the way we would begin a dialogue with someone, Kathleen, is that, you know, we begin with, why are you here? What brought you to us at this time? And, you know, oftentimes when, when people come to us, they're coming to us with symptoms, they don't understand what the root problem or the root cause of the actual symptom or the pain they're experiencing is. And so it's our job to identify what that true pain point is. Where is it actually stemming from? And here's the interesting thing about about marketing is that very often people believe that, you know if I just had better SEO or if I just had better social media campaigns, all my worries would go away. And in reality, as we begin kind of, having dialogue and questions what we discover is there's often other things other elements if you will below the surface mm-hmm. that are the true issues and so it's our job to not only give people what they want but also deliver what they need as well and that is that's the challenge for us because we have to have deep conversations about you know what keeps you up at night what what are the things that you know, where did you think you'd be by this point? What are the things that you thought you would have accomplished with your business or organization by this point or through this campaign that didn't come to fruition? And so it's our job to to really diagnose the root
0: cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you. All right. I, I can remember reading one case study. Perhaps I did an advanced marketing course at Graduate School of Business in Cape Town, South Africa, some years back. I think it was there, the case study that company got in, consultants spent a huge amount of money, a big company on finding out why their sales were falling. And they looked at everything. And at the end of the day, it was the wrong attitude with some of their front office staff. That was the sole problem, but they couldn't see it right until they got the consultants in. Similar sort of thing. So you sort of answered what I'm going to ask you next, but I think there's more to it. We're talking about periods of uncertainty due to the virus that's happened and and we're moving on, but we're now moving into, by all accounts, a period of fairly serious financial instability and uncertainty. So, what what should people be looking at? Entrepreneurs and small business and medium business owners who are growth minded, what should they be considering in their marketing going ahead into this period?
2: Yeah, I love the question, Peter, because uh, you know I reflect back and I think back to, you know, I think it was mid to late March of 2020, when, you know, kind of the world began shutting down. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the nature of the work that we do, we have so many clients reaching out to us, seeking advice, not just about what they should do from a marketing standpoint, but what they should do with their business during their time, during this time, how do they communicate to their customers? How do they communicate to their staff? And um, back then, we found this really amazing research uh, by this, actually, he's an archaeologist, and his name is Rod. (laughs) Yeah, Rod. Um, uh, Pulaski. And Rod studied the Great Depressions or the Great Depression, and then all of the subsequent downturns and recessions. And he looked at it from the perspective of what effect does advertising have during recessions and during depressions mm-hmm. in the economy? And this is u s based. Um, and his research and his findings were super, super fascinating. So before the Great Depression, Ford was selling, 10 times more vehicles than Chevrolet. So 10 to one was their sales ratio. Right. When the depression began to hit Ford, like you were just saying, Peter, cut back their marketing and advertising budget drastically. Chevy did not change their budget at all. They actually increased their budget. And by the time the great depression was over, Chevy was now on par with Ford in terms of sales volume.
1: Really? Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just, that's just one example, he, he goes on, he studies um, Camel cigarettes. So yep. Camel cigarettes was um, the largest, and then they lost it and they were, Chesterfield I believe was the largest in the world at the time of the uh, Great Depression. And Camel began upping their ad spend during the Great Depression. And by the time it was over, they were back to number one. Um, Kellogg cereal is another mm-hmm. great example he talks about. Um, they were not the largest cereal maker at the time, Post was. Yep. It, during the depression, posts pulled back, they shrank their advertising and marketing budget. Kellogg increased it drastically and Kellogg emerged on the other side of the depression as the leader in the serial world. So all of that to say, look up, go, go Google search his name, um, Rod Pulaski. Rod Pulaski,
0: yeah. Yeah, he's an
2: archeologist and he studied um, what to do during the downturns. And his, his key takeaway was the companies who choose to invest in marketing, um, end up winning in the long run
0: in the long run sure yeah 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 very those are interesting little stories there were well, big stories about and just on Kellogg's I mean I lived most of my life in Africa we the only time we ever heard of post was really if we watched an American movie one or two or serial tv serial but we knew Kellogg's we had the Kellogg brand and is post still in existence or have they gone completely
2: I don't know I think they may still be around but I may be wrong
0: Yeah, so there we are, Um, you know, nearly 100 years later. And that result of that spending carried through. Wow, interesting. Kathleen.
1: So tell us, I have to ask you this, and anybody watching or listening, you have to go to the Ugly Mug marketing website, because it's, it's, it is so creative, so animated and lively. I have to ask you what the inspiration was behind creating your website.
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, So what I would say is we again began with content. So one of the things that you know people mention about our website, other than kind of the animation and the subtle, subtle things that take place, is how few words there actually are on our website. So we do some pretty complex, yeah, we do some pretty complex stuff around social media, around SEO or you know, whatever it may be. And parring that down or or getting those words down to the core few words that matter. Um, Number one, it just helps us in terms of being able to communicate clearly what it is that we do and the results that we deliver in each of those core areas. So um, yeah, our, our inspiration behind it though is that When people come to our website, you know, they may be coming to our website to consider us to build their website. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that number one, our website communicates clearly, but number two, that it is engaging Mm -hmm. and not in a distracting way, but it's engaging with the subtle little things that you notice kind of as you move through the website.
1: Yes, it's excellent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it certainly does all of that. And I've got to throw in here that for our audio listeners who are just listening to this podcast, maybe in your car or, and not watching the video, go and look at the description. The website link will be in there. And really, you've got to have a look at mm-hmm. Wayne's website. It's, uh, it's everything he says it is and Kathleen says it is. So yes. thanks for that one. So I'm going to ask you what I call my burning question that I ask all successful guests on our, on our um, show. And we have a lot of successful guests and you're most certainly amongst those. If in your experience working with hundreds of industry, hundred industries, and hundreds of clients, is there one characteristic, mindset, habit, if you like, that differentiates the successful entrepreneur or businessman from those who remain average or who fail? And I don't just mean making money; I mean having a balanced life, but just making a success of it. Is there one thing? Do you think?
2: Yeah, Peter. I, I, first of all, I love this question. Um, it really caused me just to reflect back on all the different clients that we've worked with and those who have succeeded, those who have not. And what are those few things? What are the core things if we can boil down to that? And there are two words that that come to mind when I think of what makes the difference between an average entrepreneur and an entrepreneur that succeeds, an entrepreneur that's great and and is playing the long game. Um, The first word I would say is curiosity. So I I believe that the entrepreneurs who succeed in the long run are always curious. They're always asking questions, not just about what, you know, the things that they directly do, but they're asking questions about the post, the post man or post woman who's delivering the mail, you know, Mm -hmm. how do the rat the routes change or how do they change the way they deliver things? All the how's technology affected the way they deliver mail, things like that. They're just so curious about the world around them. Um, and I think that that kind of, if we really think about self-evident, because entrepreneurs often are problem solvers, right? Mm-hmm. They, they come up with an idea to solve a problem, to offer service to the world that solves the problem. And so it's out of that curiosity, oftentimes, that I think that the businesses are born, if you will. Um, the other word that I would say that comes to mind is discernment. So mm-hmm. curiosity, the first, discernment is yeah. the second. In mm-hmm two specific ways I think discernment matters a lot for entrepreneurs. Um, Number one, in the early days, it's so important to understand the difference between advice and opinion. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. in the early days of of being an entrepreneur, everyone wants to give you their opinion about what you should do, right? How much you should price your stuff for or where you should get your materials from or what your website should look like. and the difference between advice and opinion is this, everyone's entitled to an opinion, but as an entrepreneur, especially a, a new entrepreneur, um, you have to be selective with the people you get advice from. And advice to me is someone who would be qualified to give it, meaning they've mm-hmm. either done the thing that you're that you're getting their input on. In other words, they have built a website before for their business. So you want their advice on whatever it may be, or they work directly with someone who has been through that thing, you know, has built a website or they've studied it deeply. So they've either done it, they've either witnessed it or they've studied it deeply. Those are the people that are entitled, if you will, to give you advice Mm -hmm. versus opinion. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of discernment would just be this as a business or as an entrepreneur grows, um, you know, I I love the phrase and the saying that good advice applied at the wrong time is bad advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as our businesses grow, as our organizations grow, what worked for us when we were at, you know, a previous level of business, if we keep doing that thing today, it will be detrimental to us. Or if we're still over here in an early stage of our growth and we look around and we, we try to take something that's working well, maybe for a Fortune 500 company, and we try to do that for ourselves here, it could strangle us. Maybe it's a big system or a big process that's just too complicated or complex for where we are. So discernment, meaning um, you know, understanding the difference between advice and opinion, and then the discernment also with knowing when is the right time to apply the right advice.
0: The right advice, that's absolutely. True. No, very, yeah. very good. It, it, curiosity comes up quite a lot when we ask this question of successful it people. Mm-hmm. It comes up. It comes up a fair amount. Not many people have hit on discernment. It's somewhat parallel, not really, but something aligned with it would be focus, which a couple of people have mentioned. And um, I would see discernment as well as part of focus. It's so easy to get too absorbed in the wrong things, right? No, thank you for that. That uh, was very well. One of the best questions to that answer we've had in a long time. I really, really appreciate it that. Really thank was. you. Yeah. yeah. We
1: are running low on time, Wayne, but uh, how do people contact you?
0: Sure, Kathleen.
2: The easiest place is our website, which we talked about. Um, that's just uglymugmarketing.com. It's got links to our social channels, it's got email addresses, phone numbers, all the other all the other good contact stuff's right there on the website.
0: Excellent. Well, we will that was... put that on as a caption and yep. uh...
1: Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Wayne. Um, And I, again, urge all of you to go and take a look at his uh, website, Ugly Mug Marketing. And uh, once again, thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.